On a scale of 1 to 100, how would you rate your level of disappointment in the political party you support, your religion and your business leaders? In short, how do you score Earth's sin perfection ratio, where perfection is 100 and sin 0? Is your political party bringing in policies you support, at a fair price? How much value are you getting for your tax receipts? How much faith do you have that for the next 50 years you will get the leaders your country needs to make it prosper? Is the economy operating as you would expect an advanced economy to work 2,000 years after Christ? How satisfied are you with your religious choice? Is your church acting as you feel a church ought to respond to the world around them? Is your church a light to the world and a beacon of hope to the hopeless? If you had the power, is there anything in your church you would change, or do you see it as a perfect example of the word of God exemplified in his church? If you are not content with what you see you are not satisfied with the performance of the human race. The failure of one is the failure of all. The biggest failure is the confusion in who is responsible for the failure. But the failure is not local it is general. We cannot find a one person or group that is responsible for the poverty, unemployment, crime, taxation, waste and so on. This is the legacy of our race. If we are disappointed we ought to be disappointed in the human race, not some portion of it. But the left blames the right and the right the left. But is there any group on earth that is without sin? Do we know what this phrase means? Is sin a moral condition? Is it attached solely to the individual or is sin something more general? Sin is something a person does that reduces their value. Why is homosexuality a sin? Because it takes the person from the breeding and childcare pool. They can no longer serve God in the way God wishes to be served, so their value is decreased. This does not mean the sinner is not fully valuable in his own eyes and the eyes of the world, but the mind of God holds a different reality with different values than those expressed by sinful man. All sin follows this same trajectory. But then there is evil. Evil exists on a lower plane than sin. Evil lowers the value of the community. It is objectively harmful in a measurable way. We are disappointed in us if we are disappointed at all. We are disappointed at our performance unless we are focused on our own standards and achievements. Apathy and depression are the products of racial awareness, of the awareness of racial failure. Many blame this on a subrace, but the failure is the failure of sapiens, not some subset. The objective of the vast majority of people is to teach people to be better and perform better. Efforts to reduce crime, lower unemployment levels, and so on all efforts to make us all better people. But it is a project doomed to failure. The race of man is inherently flawed and his system is beyond repair. The people staffing the food banks and other charities are delaying the inevitable. The finger in the dike is noble but ultimately futile. Unemployment and inflation are not a minor inconvenience that can be tweaked out of in existence, they are structural and many perceived. Marshall McLuhan wrote that the medium is the message. In this case, the species is the system. It is the way we think, that is the problem. It is the way we interpret observations, that causes the issues. To solve the problem of man, one has to solve the race problem. The human race is the wrong race, we are sapiens rather than a priorians. Sapiens are phenomenologists, inductive thinkers, and contingent realists. They are unable to solve the problem of themselves, because they are the problem. This ought to be obvious, but it seems it is difficult for sapiens to comprehend. 
If truth is contingent, relativistic and probabilistic it has little use. No one can derive conclusions based on probabilities. Whatever one decides it is little more than a guess. If there is a right and a wrong, there has to be absolute truth. By definition, absolute truth is analytical, not empirical. Logic is not integral to the Babylonian system. This is why Sapiens' reality is grounded in law and law is based on the exercise of power and the level of one's power is established by the authority one has over property. Law is opinion, formulated into a regulation, backed up by judicial authority. Without control of property authority is not possible. Without this authority or judicial legitimacy, the law would simply be an opinion. Without having been formulated into legalese, the opinion would not be enforceable in a legally justifiable way. The key component in Babylon is the law. The law is part of an ethical system. Ethics defines right and wrong by what is judicially enforceable. But ethical systems create legalists because the best one can hope for is to remain within the boundaries set out by law. This, however, is inherently uninspiring and inherently self-defeating. One can never remain entirely within the law, because the law can never entirely define what can be lived in. This is why the Bible testifies the law is better at revealing sin than overcoming it. If the law tells us what the speed limit is, many will take this to mean we are not to exceed it by too many points. The law reveals our hearts. If the law tells us not to rape but we find a way to coerce a girl into intercourse without triggering the legal definition of force, then some men will exploit the loophole. The Bible tells us if we want to have illicit sex with a woman this is rape. The bar is infinitely higher with God than with man. The law always leaves us open to potential disappointment, as we are disappointed that the men in the courtyard voted to crucify Jesus. People always let us down, but we have to appreciate it we are part of this race. We are the system which is destroying us. If we think reality exists and that the law is needed to regulate the economy, and that is the problem, how do we solve the problem without solving the problem that is us? It is sapiens and the sapiens reality that is the issue here. We might feel better dividing who we are from the problems we create, but the truth is by the time we have solved the problem, man has been reborn a new creature. Sapiens are phenomenologists and conceive of a physical reality, which is why they are required to use law to regulate themselves and administrate their system. The only way law can be enforced is by physical means, which as we have remarked, requires the control of property. The state always has ultimate control of all physical property in the state. What is more, the state can only exist so long as it has ultimate authority over the dispensation of physical property. Governments produce no measurable value but exists by means of expropriation. When we work and produce value and we see others make excuses for their lack of works, it is natural to be disappointed. Many give up after a while and start joining in claiming their entitlements. This puts society on a downward spiral. This is the single cause of poverty. People give up because of the high percentage of parasites. The more parasites as a percentage of the productive sector workers, the higher the level of disappointment we will probably see. The question is how do we reverse the trend? The law exists as a regulatory mechanism because sapiens lack faith in their own kind. They have been disillusioned too many times, but more importantly, they do not trust others because they are seeking to gain an advantage. The person who wants to pay a fair price for everything he gets will not gamble. 
the person who is looking to gain an advantage is not a person who can be trusted. So where there are untrustworthy people there will be competition. The competition is partly a contest to see who is the best at something, but it is also a competition to see who can win despite the rules. Capitalists have rules regulating the competition in the market but in the end all that matters is how which one can become. However, if we are determined to pay for what we get and to give value to everyone, competition gives us no advantage, we would prefer cooperation. But we have to be careful not to cooperate with those who want to gain an advantage, because we are likely to become disappointed in the results. If we win a competition, we are happy. If we lose, we are disappointed. If we lose because the other person won by cheating, then we are really upset. But if we have competition and people want to win and this means making us lose, there will always be a large proportion of unhappy people. But if this is so and we want to combat disappointment we need to transform competitive processes into a cooperative process. However, it is important to realize what we are talking about is a change in who we are. This is not solely about selling our free enterprise business and starting a cooperative. This helps but the transformation is cosmetic and we need something substantial if the reform is going to make a real difference. Reformers need a new reality not just a new technology or political system. Sapiens are required to reject their very psychology that makes them want to gain an advantage if they are to be reborn. The model for this transformation is Christ. The system we seek to install is the church, not the church of the wolves but the church of the sheep, the church that is totally and categorically biblical devoid of all competition and desire for advantage. But it is not enough just to admit one is a sinner and the Christ is the saviour. There has to be a heart change. We must turn from the flesh and become the people of faith. The focus of the flesh is on the risk others represent. When one tries to win and gain an advantage, then others are seen as the opposition. By winning we accumulate property and other forms of wealth. This serves as our hedge against losses and a protection against the lean years. But property gives the property owner a false sense of security, because no matter how much you have, it can be lost. A cooperative system is based on cooperative ownership and this requires an open market. Open markets are not a form of socialism as there is no ownership as the world knows it. Nor is an open market the same as a free market and there are strict boundaries around an open market. The open market does not mean it is unfettered, it means it is open within a well-defined location. The key difference is that a free market is a competition. An open market is a cooperative but without the need for a regulatory framework. Open markets are not regulated and not competitive. Open markets are not supply and demand based. Prices are not responsive to supply and demand dynamics, the supply is more price defined than the other way around. If price goes up supply is adjusted. The idea is to maintain stable prices, not profit levels. Open markets are administrated as a cooperative market. All commercial property is held in escrow by the limited council of a sector. Thus, the sector has possession of all commercial property assigning title to it as certain conditions are met. When work is done by members of the limited council, the council credits the accounts of the sellers their earnings according to a set schedule. When purchases are made the council ensures delivery of the purchased item or service is made and debits the account of the buyer. In this way the accounts of the buyer and sellers are reconciled and the limited council assures the best use is made of all of its resources. 
because the limited council maintains the accounts of all members there is no competition, and no one can be taken advantage of. In an open market, everyone who wishes to work can find a job and everyone who needs something is able to purchase it, which the economy is kept stable because the limited council ensures resources are committed to keep keeping prices stable. Disappointment is always due to competition distorting credits and debits, someone gets more than they deserve and those who deserve something, do not get it. The open market ensures credits and debits are reconciled, a fancy name for fairness. Open markets ensures fairness and does this by eliminating the need for and the possibility of competition.